This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good morning, good morning. As you're seated, I just want to say welcome to church Today, if we haven't got the chance to meet, my name is Crystal T. Arena. I get the pleasure and the honor of serving on staff with my husband as one of the associate pastors here. Um, and if you don't know me, fun fact, we have an eight-month-old and one on the way. So prayers. Um, I don't know what we was thinking, but here we are. <laughs> you can't, like, turn back um, on those decisions. So... Um, <laughs> Good morning, so glad that you're here, and I want to say welcome on behalf of our pastors. Our pastors are traveling on their annual family vacation, and they're on the second leg without their kids, which they call vacation, Um, (laughs) uh, if you were here last week. So they are finishing up, and they are going to be with us next week, and I just want to say, if it's your first time here, or if you're new, our pastors cannot wait to meet you, and they are so glad that you're here. And they would love to meet you next week if you don't get the chance to see them today. And um, I'm just so grateful for our pastors, and I know that you are too, for everything that they do to build this church week in and week out. And we, we just love this time where we get to send them off to, to vacation. And, you know, building this church is not something that they don't, they love doing it. Um, but they just go and get rest and health, just like all of us, so they can come back and build it even better. So um, would you just honor our pastors and thank them for all that they do? I am truly standing on a platform I did not build. The build team built it. No, I'm just kidding. They built it. And um, I feel honored that they would allow me to be here in front of you today. Do not take that lightly. And speaking of honor... Here at the church, whenever we come to a national holiday, um, happy 4th, everybody, um, we, we remember what we're here for, and we try to be intentional about remembering and honoring our country, and, you know, it's not just a day of barbecue, it's, it's remembering that we have freedoms and rights that we get to exercise here in our country um, that allow us to speak the name of Jesus wherever we go. And we don't take that lightly, and we honor those who serve this country, who have served, and those who have died fighting for the country. So happy 4th, everyone, and all the honor to our country, and we hope you have a great holiday with your family. But speaking of proclaiming the name of Jesus wherever we go, we are in a series called Sent, and I encourage you to go back and listen if you've missed any of the the messages so far and also we're halfway through but it's not too late to join one of our small groups that are going through the content of scent and even some are diving into the book it's all based on a a book and they have the qr code there and even if you know you you feel like we're halfway done go ahead and get the book and just to have it even if you're just now starting it is great great content for you to really get confidence around this idea of sharing the gospel. You might be a more introverted person. If you were put up here with a microphone, you would die. But um, the truth is, is that we all have the responsibility of sharing the gospel. And we're recognizing in this series that God didn't just, or that God put you in strategic places. You, 
You didn't just move into your neighborhood because you found a good deal. You're not just at your job because you need a paycheck. You, you aren't just a parent because you got pregnant or married somebody with kids. You are specifically ordained to be where you are. And God wants to equip you there to, to tell the gospel to people. And we operate with the knowledge that saved equals sent. If you have been saved and if God has done anything in your life, our job is just to tell others what he has done. And we're helping break that down and make it practical and equip those of you who don't feel like strong speakers or feel like someone who's outgoing or, you know, um, it's sharing the gospel is not just for those people, it's for all of us. And so we've been really breaking down what that looks like. And we've talked about lots of reasons maybe why we don't share the gospel and we've given some practical help to help articulate the gospel and even just see people around us and what God is doing. But today we're talking about one of the most important components of living a sent life, and that is knowing and telling your story. And it might seem a little bit simplistic. Um, I was so thankful for all the encouragement from our church family of me preaching today, but I'm like, I hope y'all know it's, it's nothing crazy. Like, we're not busting out deep theology or anything like that. We're just talking about sharing your story. And so it might sound simple, but hopefully I can help break it down for us today because this is an important part of being sent. It's one of the easiest ways that we can do this thing of sharing the gospel. In the book, it says, one of the most powerful tools we possess is the ability to communicate our stories of transformation and showcase God at work. And, you know, sometimes as Christians, we can often be obsessed or insecure about getting it right and proving a point. But as it also says in the books, facts don't persuade. They don't move people to action. It's Peter Goober that says that. It's a great name, by the way. So we should all work knowing work toward knowing our Bibles. In fact, we're going to talk about more about how that is one of the most important components of telling our story is knowing how God's word is connecting to that and is alive in that. We should all know our Bibles and that's in our small groups and in our church, what we're trying to do together. We're learning that together. However, people are first captivated by our story and how the word of God is becoming alive in our life. I've heard it said like this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. They don't want to know all of the information in your brain before they know that you care about them as a person. And I I thought about in this message of Jesus in the wilderness, and he's having a spiritual battle with the devil. And in this moment, the devil is, is telling him lies, and Jesus is combating them. But the devil is actually using scripture in this moment, is speaking scripture. Of course, it's all out of context, not in line with God's character. But it made me think, if the devil can quote, quote scripture as easily as us, then surely it's not about just quoting things and throwing the, theology around. It's about connecting first so people can receive what God has. So why stories? Why are stories the best communication? Because you might say, I'm an analytical person myself. Like, I can be persuaded of facts. In fact, you may have come to God on someone really explaining to you some of the deeper theological connections and the questions that you've had about origins of life and all of that. Um, But the truth is that stories are the only thing that have the unique ability to resonate with every human. We all have a story. 
we all have a place where we were born. We all have a family of origin. It, you know, whatever that looks like in between, we all have one. And so you can resonate with any person through story. Because the truth is we all resonate with struggle. We all resonate with trying to navigate this world looking for wholeness. And we're all looking for a solution for the troubles that we face in life and even the own sins that we commit. And so I think we overestimate the power of knowledge and underestimate what our personal story can do. And I love how I saw this become true in our small group. So I lead um, a women's book study over Scent um, throughout the week with Leslie. And one of the members of our group, um, well, I'll, I'll tell you this story first. So in the book, if you're following along, there's a moment in the book when the author talks about going to the dentist and she's in college and she needs dental work. And how many of you know dentist work, it comes always unexpectedly and it's always dire, like you need a new tooth or something. And of course, it's a million dollars. And so this broke college student is worried and she needs to go to the dentist. And so she prays to God that he would provide the funds. And he did. And so she was telling the dental assistant about how God provided for her to go to the dentist. And so this dental assistant just looks at her and says, you know God, can you tell me more about him? And it was so powerful for this author, and she's like, so I just told her the gospel, and we prayed right there. You know, and so our, our group was having fun with this story, right, because they're like, that's not real life. Uh, that does not look like me trying to share the gospel in my office. That is not what it looks like. No one comes up to me and says, tell me about Jesus Christ. Um, that is not the story that most of us come up against. And so one of, one of our group members, Kendra, she said, I am... Um, I, I just have never experienced like that. If, if, if those opportunities came to me, then I'd share the gospel. And so she goes to work out at her gym the next day, and she's telling her friend from work, they work out together, and she's telling her about this book that we're reading and just what it's doing in her life and what God is speaking to her through it and how she's learned some practical things, and they're just talking about it. And, you know, I should have got my facts straight between services, but I think it is that they were, they were at the gym and in line at, for, like, a smoothie bar or something, and um, this woman behind the counter is, is hearing the conversation. So just know people are listening to what we're, we're saying, people around us. It's a little bit scary and eye-opening, but also the Bible says we speak life or speak death, so it gives us encouragement to know, like, hey, we could really change someone's world. So this woman hears her speaking, and then the next day she says, hey, I heard you and your friend talking about God, and I really want to know more about what you were saying. Can you share that with me? And um, so, hey, it's proof. Those moments do happen. And, um, you know, when they happen, we've got to be equipped and ready to step into it. And that's what we're doing today. And it shows the power of just sharing what God is doing in our life. All she was doing was saying, this book is eye-opening to me. It's showing me things about God, showing me things about people. And, and this woman needed what she had to say. And Psalm 107.2 says this, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. You might know the version that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. It's just simply, if God redeemed you, tell what he did. If God is doing anything, 
Let's tell people what's going on in our lives. Because the truth is this, living a sent life means that God sends you with stories to tell. So if stories are so important, you might be asking, okay, well, how do I do that? How do I, how do I craft my story? Because the truth is that there is a craft to it. Um, and it is the easiest way to tell the gospel. So we've got to really break down the practicals of, of how to make it intentional and personal and pull it all together. So I'm going to help break it down like a real English major today. This is my bread and butter. So let's go. The first point is not necessarily something I learned in college, but it will help you in the crafting of your story. The first one is to remember that the story is about Jesus. Jesus is your thesis, if you will. As I studied for this message, I found an article from a TED Talk employee that actually said that the number one reason that they deny several applications is because the person had a very compelling story and was very charismatic, but had no, listen to this, insights, actionable information, perspective, context, or hope for the listener. So this person was a great speaker, but there was nothing that other people could latch on to. So this isn't just telling about how awesome we are and we overcame sin and trampled the works of the devil. The truth is we did not. <laughs> we, we met Jesus, and Jesus did those things. So if people don't have something that they can latch on to and they can do themselves, then we're just sharing our story that's only applicable to us. He says this, if your journey, the, the TED Talk employee, if your journey reveals something powerful that you've learned, people will gladly take that journey with you and want to learn it too. Paul proves this principle correct, that we can speak and it not necessarily be helpful. This verse is in another context of specifically love, but it still brings out this idea that it is important about bringing it around to Jesus and what he offers in his love. He says this, If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. That's in 1 Corinthians 13.1. And so we have to aim for the restoration of the other person, or we're just noise in the atmosphere. In the book, the past... Uh, the writer quotes Pastor Eric Raymond that says, Our stories are helpful and even moving. However, they are not powerful unto salvation like the word of God. So yes, your story is great. You should tell it, but it cannot save. Only Jesus can. So we've got to bring Jesus into the story. And I have a personal um, trauma with this in my, my own youth group growing up um, called Open Mic Testimony. And, you know, this is just a couple hours where any student is allowed to come grab a mic and talk for an unrestricted amount of time about anything. Um, this isn't our students. Our students are great. And they, last year they were all preaching up here, and I just don't know. I, I, was, I must be from a different time, even though it was a couple years ago. Um, because they got up here, and, and I'm talking like full-blown crying and shaking, um, you know, sharing stuff and how their boyfriend broke up with him, and, um, and then some boyfriends were like the Jesus of the store, and it was just wild, wild. Um, so <laughs> be very selective about who gets the mic. That's why even when we were at our Made to Last Marriage conference, I told Noah when we did the game, don't let go of the mic. I have trauma. Don't let go of it because, you know, open mic. And so 
um, it's true that you can tell a story, but if it doesn't come back around to Jesus, um, sometimes it's just not that helpful. And the truth is, is that these students, they're still working out their story, right? They, they're still finding the connections of what God is doing. And so, you know, hence the, the open mic testimony, um, you know, going on. But we have to remember that my story is his glory, we have those two components, my story and then his glory. And you may be still working on the his glory part, and that's okay. And I think that it's, it's more about what God is doing right now. If all, the, all that you have right now to share with people is, I don't know, I keep going to church, the people are nice, and um, I read some of the Bible, and it, you know, it really seems like it's, it's true. So I'm figuring this thing out. Do you want to read with me? Do you want to come to church, let's figure it out together. If that's your story right now, then that's your story. Work with what you got. If you're working on the his glory part, that is okay. But once you know that Jesus is the thesis, so to speak, then the second thing would be to decide the order of the story. Know the beginning. Know what the conflict was. And then know what the end is. And this takes time and editing, and practice. So a couple of weeks ago, um, we actually had um, a, a, a five-on-seven where we had five speakers share for seven minutes. How many of you were here? That was amazing. And they got to share their story, but you may not know this. They went through three rounds of editing before they shared their story with you here on the platform. So they sent in their story, got feedback, and then they preached to each other and got peer feedback. And then they preached that final round to Pastor Kelly and got feedback. And then they were up here. Not Keith McLeod. He came up here with no notes. And he's just a higher life form than all of us <laughs> humble creatures. Um, but the rest of them <laughs> had three rounds of editing. Um, and, and so it just shows that their stories were so powerful. And so many of you talked about how those stories resonated with you, but they were actually practiced and very intentional about what they brought to this platform. And so we've got to do the same thing, cultivating our story. And it can be a really cool process because you'll even see connections that God was in that you didn't even know. My husband was one of the speakers and, you know, we were up and he was practicing with me, and I was giving feedback, and even we had connections about parts of his story that I was even involved in that we didn't even notice the God connection. And so if you even just ask God, what are you doing, and what did you do in this time? I love how Lily even mentioned that in, in this song, as we're singing, just thinking about where was God in those moments, because he will reveal where he was at. So it's about crafting that story. And I want to say, too, that if God is working on your story specifically in this church and in this family, a great place to start for you is Growth Track. And Growth Track doesn't have, we don't have storytelling like workshops or anything like that. It's not specifically about your testimony, but we are going to dive more into you and how God made you and how he specifically designed you. And it's just a great way to start that journey as it is specifically to this church. And I just want to invite you, if you haven't been, that it's a great next step. I remember my first growth track six, uh, six years ago now. And just seeing what God has done in between and how he started my journey here has just been a beautiful story. And we want to be a part of what God is writing in your life. 
in that way. Either way, crafting your story means involving others. You've got to practice with them, tell it to people, and get practice and get feedback so that we can really find the parts of the story that resonate. And another practical point, number three, is find a scripture and a theme. And this might be a cliche phrase that you've heard, but I actually think it's really cool. And I've heard multiple people talk about this idea of having a life verse. And they're essentially saying that there's a certain scripture that resonates with them and the theme that they felt like God was writing in their life, or that verse came at a really pivotal moment and transition in their life, and God's word came so alive to them that they felt like they resonated with that very strongly. It's, it's a powerful discovery to see how God's word really attaches to our lives and becomes apparent in our life. An example of this is I love hearing um, my friend Jesse Skaggs' testimony. Every time he tells it, no matter what part he's in, he always shares the, a verse in Psalm about your steadfast love is better than life. And he has this whole story about what God showed him and how that really changed his thinking and trajectory. And um, he was even telling it at a, we were doing like a, a speed dating story thing at small group where we were like quickly telling our story. And, you know, so he's like trying to rush through it. And I was like, tell the, tell the one part, like tell my favorite part. Um, <laughs> Because it's just powerful to hear the word of God come alive in other people's lives. People want to know how God's word is transforming you. They want to know what God is doing in you. And likewise, a theme just helps you be focused. Helps you not, you know, have the open mic testimony vibe where you're just kind of feeling around in the dark. Like, know what, what story are you telling? What is this a story about what is the theme of your life or of, of this certain chapter, so to speak, because we've got lots of stories to tell, um, but what, what is the theme of this specific thing that God did in your life? And here's the fourth one that I also didn't learn in, um, in college, but another great tip is to use discernment for every person. In the book, the author actually has two versions of her story. She says she has the one that's um, salvation, how she came to know Jesus. It's succinct, it's quick, but it's powerful. It tells of how in college she came to know him. And then she has this other story of maturing in Christ and how she was almost in her 40s and had a whole revelation about something that God was showing her in the Bible. And just as I mentioned earlier, the truth is we have lots of stories to tell. God is never done with our story. Um, and there, there are different links and there are different people that God brings into our lives. So you might ha have, have a person in front of you where it's time to tell the salvation story. And, you know, you know that you, you still got like Jesus still working on a lot in you, but you're like, we'll get to that part <laughs> later. Um, and they just need to know like their salvation in Christ and we can work on the rest later. Or a Christian that you know might need encouragement, and you can say, hey, I'm going through this too, and here's what God is doing in me. That our, our Different parts of our story resonate with different people. This is also knowing when to be succinct of, of to know, okay, I'm going to share my just my 30-second story. I'm in the grocery line. I don't have two hours anyway. Um, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to tell this person and encourage them really quick. Or there's sometimes when you're sitting down with someone at coffee and y'all are just talking for four hours, really fleshing out 
all that God has done over the course of your life, that happens too. And so it's all about knowing what God is doing in that moment and who he wants you to reach in that moment. Paul does this, it's, it's a different context, but Paul really did this in his ministry. He says this, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like the one not like I became and not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. And so we're going to interact with all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And we can use that discernment. And what discernment is, is it's it's simply the Holy Spirit inside of you telling you what, what parts to share. And so... I wanted to bring all of these things together and share a little bit of my story, if that's okay with you. So from age 11 to 17, it was just my mom and I. I've been, I was adopted by my father, so my mom's my biological mother, was adopted by my father, and to this day, I still don't know my biological father. And I can, I can mark a moment that changed for me in my life and my attitude toward this. When at 16 years old, we took um, a paternity test um, from a man who ended up not being my father. And that day, a seed of anger grew so much of, of this lost life that I feel like I was living in. And honestly, just some identity confusion and sadness. Like, why did no one want me? And where did I belong if I didn't know half of myself, essentially? And this began to put a lot of tension on my mother and I, and I, I began trying to find belonging anywhere outside my house that I could, whether it was good for me or not. And as our relationship tensioned, the October of my senior year, we got in a huge argument, the worst we've ever had. And before my shift at a restaurant, she looked at me and said, after your shift tonight, don't come home. And the weekend went by, and I was still not welcome. And then two weeks later, I sat across from her at a Starbucks looking at my untouched latte while she asked me to not return indefinitely. I slept on family couches for a few weeks, but their home was honestly more toxic than mine, and so I was just really looking for a way out. And I felt lonely at school while all my friends were shopping for prom dresses. I was looking for a home. And I was legally and formally homeless um, so that I could get some compensation and some help. And I began working extra shifts at the restaurant for bills and, um, you know, insurance that was now mine to pay. And one specific night, I finally lost the will to really get up and do life again the way that it was going. I could hear um, it was a cousin's house that I was staying at, at at the time. I could hear them fighting in the other room, one of them heavily intoxicated. And I just felt like I couldn't live that way anymore. I imagined a shortcut to, to leaving earth and thinking, if I don't belong anywhere and no one wants me, what's the point of being here anyways? And apparently earlier that night, 
I was texting a friend and they felt the essence of some of what I was feeling. I still to this day don't remember sending those. I don't remember the content of it and neither does he, but it was um, alarming enough to him that he began making phone calls to our friends like, can someone call Crystal? Um, Because he felt ill-equipped to help. Um, but he did what he knew to do and just called our friends. Could someone call Crystal? And the only person that answered was um, our friend named Drew Vadreen. And he called me at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he just began encouraging me over the phone. I don't even remember all that he said, but I remember that it saved my life. And I remember that he tied that conversation with the verse uh, in Nehemiah 8.10 that said, The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I woke up the next morning with the joy of God as my strength, ready to live another day, ready for what God had for me. And a few days later, the pastors of the church I attended asked me to move in for them for the remainder of my senior year. So I got to stay in my high school. I got to stay in my church and through that formed a relationship with the man who would become my husband later. And I kept cultivating my love for the church, which was huge. But the best part, I will tell you, was that I walked away free and assured, accepted, and I could not speak Greek at the time. But what I could tell you is that Jesus still saves today, and he gives belonging to those who are looking for a place to belong. So I may not know my father, my mother, may have been in a situation where she didn't know how to lead me in the moment. By the way, there's been lots of restoration there, which has been beautiful. But I told you the succinct version used discernment um, because if I took two hours to preach this, then our pastors would not invite me back. So discernment. Um, And if you notice, each of the components of telling your story that I shared with you today were in this story. And I want to tell you that he can save you and make you belong to. And if he has saved you and you say that's me, you have a story. It's not like mine. It's different. You might even say, well, those things didn't happen to me. I've been in church all my life. I'm kind of boring. But you're not. God has been real to you. You have learned things. You have walked through things. And people need to know what you have to say. Your story is worth telling. And it's going to change someone's life. So I encourage you to tell your story. And the truth is, is that this isn't always easy. It's one of the easiest ways to tell the gospel. But telling the gospel is not easy. It feels easy up here while I'm with you at church in a context where you would expect to hear the gospel. But we are all sent outside of these walls. And I felt really heavily on my heart while I was preparing for this message that the devil is okay with you sharing, even at small group maybe, with some, some people who are like-minded, is comfortable with you sharing at church. And we're all up here, we're dancing, we're singing, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But outside of these walls, the devil is trying to silence you. He's trying to silence us. And people aren't the enemy. The Bible says we don't, wrestle against flesh and blood. It's principalities. It's, it's the, the spirit of the age, as Pastor Landon shared with us. But people are going to silence what is in you because of the influences that they're around, and we have to be ready. And you might be wondering, well, that's just because, you know, it's 2023. It's crazy out here. 
Um, But that's actually not true. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Yes, he was the son of God. He seemed very articulate because all of his words are written down in the Bible. But Jesus was hated his entire ministry. He was crucified. He was actually crucified for blasphemy. That is their grounds that they crucified him on. So Jesus had words of life to speak, but he was hated for it. And the, and the truth is, is that if sharing the gospel was easy for Jesus, we wouldn't be able to emulate it. But Jesus asked him to ask us to walk in his ways so we can. The power is within us to share these things. In fact, here is what Jesus says about sharing the gospel and partnering with him. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Talk about being sent. I'm just trying to go to my neighborhood pool and tell people, like, I go to that church down the street. Like, he says, you are being sent to get attacked. If you're being sent like sheep among wolves, we can follow that word picture. You will be attacked. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And this was for the disciples. Some of our brothers and sisters in other countries, they, they go through this physical beatings, imprisonments, and I think that would be great and valiant to be able to do that for the gospel, but the truth is that we probably won't hear, and that's one of the things we celebrate about our country, but you will get opposition, and Jesus is saying, the spirit of your father is following you. You can speak. You don't have to be afraid. He says, do not be afraid of them, for as nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden, that will not be made known. God is not hiding from it, anything from you. He has equipped you. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus said that the world would hate us because the world hated him. The, the truth, the hard truth is that Jesus is offensive. Like, we don't want to offend people, and this isn't about intentionally making people uncomfortable. Like We don't want to put people in situations that they don't want to be in. We want to love, and we want to um, you know, show that we care about them before they get all of our knowledge. This isn't about that. This is understanding that it says in the word that the gospel is foolishness to those that are perishing. Meaning some people are just comfortable in their life and chasing the desires that they have. They're comfortable in sin, even for the ones who know it's wrong. And not everyone will clap for you or praise you for speaking up. But to some, it is the life raft that they've been waiting for their entire life. There's a woman behind the counter There's a dental assistant somewhere that is waiting for the life raft and for the hope that you have to speak. And Jesus promises to be with you. 
He could have ended that passage any way, but he ended it by telling you, you are valuable to me. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you. Jesus is not the friend when you're beside the pool and you say, okay, on three, we're going to jump in. Then you count one, two, three, and all of a sudden you're in the pool and the friend's still standing on the side. Jesus is going to jump in with you. Jesus, he already took the plunge. And he went before us and he modeled it for us. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus was sent from heaven to come to show us what life truly is, to give us life and life abundantly, the Bible says. He became hated because the people of his day didn't want the truth. He took on our sin by dying on the cross. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. He said, He became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So that we could have a new life, a new story. So that I could tell you the story that I told you today that didn't end when I was 17 years old at my cousin's house. That it continues to live on today because God still saves. And he lets us live for something greater than ourself, for someone greater than ourself. And it wasn't easy For Jesus, but you were worth it. And so people are worth it. The people around us, they're worth it. I was thinking a lot at the beginning of this week about the situation with the Ocean Gate Titan. And if you're not familiar um, with the news story, there was um, five individuals who went into a small submersible to go see the remains of the Titanic and they lost connection with the mothership. They did not return. And even after a search party of a couple of days, they were presumed to run out of oxygen. And it was confirmed that the submersible had imploded. And at first, you know, because we're inundated with tragedy. And I think sometimes we hear tragic stories and we just add it to the shelf of all the things that are going on in this awful world. So I feel like that's what I did. But for some reason, maybe it was my algorithms but I thought about it a lot in, in the beginning of this week, and it wasn't really memes about powering submarines anymore. It was, it was about five people thinking, what is it like to be lost in the bottom of the ocean? To not have any connection, to not know if you're going home. Just thinking, what is a lost life like that. And I'm not trying to belittle any any part of the situation by connecting this, but I truly felt that that is how God feels about the people that he loves. That they don't always make news stories, but people are lost and they have no connection with him, with their purpose. That was all of us. It might be you right now. And he is sending a rescue mission and time is running out. We don't have all the time in the world. And that's a huge responsibility, but also it brings great blessings when when we partner with God and we see him save lives. It energizes us. It's not something that weighs us down. It's something that is weighty, but it, it excites us about being added to that mission. The stakes are high, but so is the reward. And the truth is, is at the end, we know who wins. 
We know that we will win, but we want to take everyone with us that we can. It says in Revelation 12, 11, they triumphed over the enemy. We win by the blood of the lamb and the word, their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So how about us? Are we willing to simply open your mouth and see what he does for his glory? To take a risk on someone this week? Are you willing to be shrugged off or unfollowed or looked at weird? For the sake of possibly this being the power for someone else to find Jesus. As we go into our weeks, there's a response for each one of us today. As we go into response time, I'd love to invite the prayer partners up and, and the worship team. And we have this response time where we, we say that it's important for us to respond to what God is asking us to do. We don't want to just preach a word and then you clap and go home and you can't do anything about it on Monday. Because our sent life starts on Monday. It starts outside these walls. And so there's something that God is speaking to you today that we want you to be able to respond to in your heart so you can take it out from this place and not just take it as our word, but something that you live by as true in your own life. And so there are prayer partners here and they can pray with you today and I encourage you to get prayer. We also have communion as we remember week by week the sacrifice that Jesus made to give us a new story that we could be able to tell to others. So as we respond, I want you to think about one of these three questions. The first one, do you need to begin your story? Have you believed on Jesus? Let's work on the his glory part. You can start that today. Everything that I said about Jesus is true for you, that he died for your sins. And the Bible says all that you have to do to be saved is confess that he is who he says he is, that he's Lord, and believe in your heart. And then you can be saved. The second one is, what is your story? Do you need to craft it? Do you need to craft your story? Do you believe that you have one and thinking about that? And then the third is, what is silencing you from telling it? Maybe you know your story and that you have one. What is it that is silencing you and working against you to tell you that it's not worth telling? Is it insecurity? What would I have to share with anyone? Is it fear? What will they say? What will they think if they knew this about me? Whatever it is, whatever part of the journey you're on, let's take this moment to give it to God and to respond to him. If you would stand to your feet. And I want to pray for you before we respond. Father, I pray for every single person in this room, God. Every single person with a name and a purpose that you specifically designed for them. They have a story. And I pray that you write it today, God, for those who want to come forward and be saved for the first time. I pray that they would know that this life with you is greater than anything that the world could ever offer. And I pray for those who need to find their story. I pray that you show them moments 
of their life that you have been involved in, moments that maybe they didn't even see you moving. But as we do look back, we can see the picture you were painting. Lord, I pray for those who feel silenced, those who feel like they don't have anything to share, those who feel fearful about what others would say, maybe what bosses would do. If we spoke up, and I pray that you settle in their hearts today, give them boldness and courage, and Lord, show them that you love them today. And as we sing this song, we truly say that you're the one worthy of all the glory. It's our story, but it's your glory. And so we say, your name is greatly to be praised. And we thank you, God, for moving in our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, you're free to respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.